0: You're listening to TLC The Light Conversations. I'm your host, Jada Del Drago. This is a well being and creativity podcast with interviews, inspiration, tools, and tips for the post pandemic evolution. Series one was made during the first national lockdowns of 2020, and I'm now diving back into this medium to connect with artists, healers, therapists, and coaches to discuss how they're adapting and evolving after more than a year of global isolation and lockdowns. My guests today are creative director and DJ, Nicholas Mockridge, and yogi, dancer, and festival founder, Jana Kleinknecht. Today, we will be discussing interdisciplinary art making, creative process, inspiration for forthcoming projects and the art of yoga, where well being and creativity meet. I'm very excited. It's it's uh, my first real life interview for this series with two guests. I've done a few on zoom. um, But this is the first time I have two guests in the same room with me for this podcast series. So it's a first and it's exciting. I'll tell you a little bit more about my guests now. So let me first tell you about Nicholas Mockridge. In a nutshell, born in Germany of Canadian and Italian heritage, attained an MFA in theater directing, um, and studied film science in Denmark at the European Film College. He works as an interdisciplinary artist, having staged exhibitions and performances in New York, Rome, Hamburg, Berlin, and Melbourne. Mockridge founded Like a Wild Beast's Fur, in 2014, otherwise known as LAWBF. This collective traverses the threshold between techno-culture and fine art. They received numerous awards for Black Mountain, among them Best Narrative Short Film at the New York Film Week. The film adapts Richard Wagner's Parsifal and was mentored by descendant Katharina Wagner. It stars, amongst others, Varushka, Peaches, Volker Spengler, and Nina Kravitz. The soundtrack was composed by Moritz von Oswald, and it has been shown at 15 festivals worldwide and discussed by... Suddeutsche Zeitung, Art & Signature, Welt & Interview magazines. In 2016, Like a Wild Beast Fur started as a classical techno-hybrid band that is now represented by Max Dax, former editor-in-chief of Specs magazine, Electronic Beats magazine, and curator of the Hyper exhibition at Deichtorhallen Hamburg. Like a Wild Beast's furs, artistic mission is to find new and exciting ways to fuse modern ideas that are inherent in classical music and ancient theatre, ranging from the sculptures of Rodin, the poems of Rilke, the music of Richard Wagner, and themes found in Greek theatre, fusing this with contemporary developments in techno and electroacoustic music. As a voice artist, Mockridge has worked for numerous clients such as Mercedes, Audi, Berlinales, Siemens, Ruinart, Dom Perignon, and Kunstkammer Baden-Württemberg. For his work on Dom Perignon's Stage Dinner, Mockridge and the creative team received the Moet Hennessy Innovation Award. Mockridge resides in Berlin and Los Angeles and is currently finishing a book on the Bayreuth Opera Festival with author and publicist Max Dags among other projects. In 2017, he's been appointed curator of an exclusive artist showcase at Borchardt and is directing the second season of TV series Festival der Liebe for German television channel Tele5. He is also an in-demand electronic and techno DJ, and it is super exciting to have him here today as a guest on TLC, The Light Conversations, as well as our other guest today, Jana Kleinknecht. A little bit about her. After working as a model in fashion, beauty, and catwalk during her school years, Jana pursued a professional career as a dancer in dance theatre and as a constructor for dance projects with school classes. Jana studied cultural studies, business psychology, and religion at Leuphana University, Lüneburg, and Humboldt University, Berlin. She worked in the field of cultural management editing and assistant directing for the Schaubühne am Leineplatz, the Henschel Theater and Schauspiel Verlag, and for the dance company Sascha Waltz and Guests. She was a staff member at the Daschverband Tanz Deutschland, which annually awards Germany's most highly endowed prize in the field of dance and political campaigns for the financial and structural strengthening of art together with her business partner, Adam Rice, and Loretta Württemberger, founder of the Contemporary Arts Alliance Berlin. They conceived and founded a yoga and arts festival at Kassel Estate Schwant near Berlin. She currently also works as a freelance cultural manager for performing arts and teaches the practice of yoga and meditation. In her free time, she loves to play the piano. Spirituality plays an important part in her life, as well as her passion for the arts. So as you can tell, today's guests are the epitome of well-being and creativity. We've got Nick Mockridge, director, creative director, interdisciplinary artist and DJ. And we've got Jana Kleinknecht dancer, yogi, and founder, co-founder of a yoga and arts festival. So today is going to be a good one. I'm really looking forward to sitting down to talk about evolution, to talk about creative process, to talk about inspiration and, uh, just check in with how they're doing and what's on, what's coming up for these two shiny souls without further ado on today's episode of TLC the light conversations my guests Nicholas Mockridge and Jana Kleinknecht mm-hmm. Hello, you're listening to TLC The Light Conversations, and I am delighted to be joined today by Nick Mockridge and Jana Kleinknecht. Uh, these are two special guests in the house in real life today, and that's such a big deal. After, um, after the past couple of years of everything on Zoom and everything long distance, it gives a whole new meaning to real-life encounters, a whole new gravitas and weight to it. And I've actually been sitting here chatting with them, enjoying a bit of lunch, and I said, I can't let you go without recording a podcast episode because you two really epitomize well-being and creativity. And we've covered a few topics that I'm really excited to delve deeper into now with you for this podcast episode. Seeing as the theme of the show is well-being and creativity, I've just I hope you're okay with that. Can I get your consent now before I feel like I forced you into doing this episode? Are you okay with it? Are you happy to be here and chatting on the mic? Is that okay? 100%. Yeah.
1: Good, good. We good. consent.
0: Okay, good. I mean, consent is a very important thing, especially when it comes to co-creation and collaboration, right? It's amazing how quickly we can steam forward. With ideas without checking, like, are you actually into this? Are you actually okay? So step one, consent. Good. We're all on board. So um Nick Mockridge in the house representing Like a Wild Beast's Fur, first and foremost, but many other things from DJ to theater director to voiceover artist to um what else do you want to add to the mix? What how do you like to be introduced?
1: I think you did a wonderful job. Yeah. um always enjoy doing different things and i've been living in berlin for 14 years where you've been um visiting me a couple times we had some really good times and um i think that really covers it i just have a lot of interests and i've been lucky enough to be able to pursue them and um lately it's been working a lot with like interdisciplinary art which is something that really intrigues me because it opens up a lot of avenues Right now, interested a lot in dance, which is something Yana can definitely add to in terms of thoughts and uh, her training. So that's um, pretty much the gamut that we're running right now. So
0: what does interdisciplinary mean to you?
1: Interdisciplinary, well, I studied to be a theater and film director. I studied both. Um, my last formal training was at Busch in uh, Berlin, which is like sort of the old East German Theater Academy, which I really enjoyed going to because it covers the Western and Eastern philosophies where like the, for people that are not, maybe not as familiar with it, like the Western theater philosophies that you really sort of always try to connect with your inner feelings and you try to recall past memories and when your girlfriend broke up with you, what did that feel like? And maybe then you could feel like Stanley Kowalski being really angry or whatever. And then there's the Eastern, which connects to, um, you create emotion by doing things and by being physical on a stage. And so like the Peking Opera would be one of those examples, which is also a form of theater, right? So one is going inside and really sort of um, searching and uh, going back in time and your memories and drawing from that. And the other one is creating feelings by being physical and interacting with your body and um, and experiencing yourself in a physical way, primarily.
2: I would even go far more back when uh, theater was related to ritual and interdisciplinary for me means also you have the sound you have the rhythm you have the movement as basics of Mm
3: -hmm.
2: of art and then also you add a narration narration a story to it Mm -hmm. and um, might also find images and paint them and for me this is all connected really and it's coming also from a spiritual source so you you can get a lot of fantasy and a lot of creative thoughts through meditation for example when you open up to the space around you and to the spirits of the people mm. around you and um, and of course yes the science have a great role in that too so nowadays arts and science try to cooperate in mm. some way because the science also can learn from the art in their um, maybe not linear thinking, but more associative. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So. I think, well, yeah, what
1: you draw, what you touched on with rituals is really important because I think the way you just explained it, that interdisciplinarity, there's always different elements towards an, a performance or an experience or maybe like the ancient Greek theatre where you had music or would even wear like a... a I'm going to say it, like a wild beast's fur on your back and would sort of engage and feel like sort of with a more um, archaic um, state of being.
2: And everybody was participating. There Mm -hmm. was not an audience and some actors doing something, Mm -hmm. but everyone was part of it. And it was also, which is a very important aspect for me, it was a feast. Mm -hmm. So you really celebrated Mm -hmm. something. And sometimes it went over days. So mm. I think we, we read both a book, which is very important to us from Byung-Shul Han. It's called in English, I, can you help me? Agony of the Eros? No, I mean the other one, um, to come back to the ritual or the decay of the ritual.
1: Was yeah. It? Yeah, okay. Rituals of Disappearance, of Decay, yeah. Rituals of Decay, maybe, yeah,
2: yeah. Something
1: like a that. He's one of the most wonderful and um, smart philosophers. He's Korean, but he's been living in Germany for a long time, um, practicing uh, philosophy at a Berlin university. And he's, I think he's very in touch with contemporary thought and contemporary movements, and um, what's
0: the big takeaway from that book what's the big gem that you got out of it
2: mm. the
0: rituals of decay
2: aspect was um, that courtesy is uh, very um, important for us human beings and that in capitalistic times you lose that somehow mm. because you're um, you're um, consume things you know you consume other people Mm -hmm. And so courtesy really refers to giving respect to uh, one another. And I find that very beautiful. There's something very Mm. aesthetic and beautiful around courtesy, you know. And it also gives you a feeling of being secure in, in a way because you know how you you act towards the other person. Mm. And um, so you're in a safe space somehow.
0: Yes. And do you feel like that's something you would bring into theater and into performance? I'm bringing this back to your mm. your creativity, what you just said. Is that part of the responsibility of art making, creating that safe space to make the art and to present it?
1: I think safe spaces are are very, very important and paramount to any creative process because it enables people to open up and to explore areas that otherwise they might be scared to venture to or touch. And Jana has been doing some work with Butoh dance, which also explores very extreme and maybe scary places. Let's talk about Butoh yeah. a little bit.
0: Yeah. What is Butoh to you?
2: Yeah, I did that in Switzerland this summer with, with Atsushi Hakanushi. He is a Japanese guy and he was
1: pupil f- um, from... Kazuo Ono, Kazuo who was basically ono? one of the founders of the Butoh dance movement, which mm-hmm. originated in Berlin from, I think, Japanese intellectuals engaging with Valeska Gerhardt, who was a very, very famous avant-garde dancer and choreographer.
2: It basically was an answer to Hiroshima and to face death in such a cruel way. <sighs> but also um, combined with the contemporary dance, there were influences of contemporary dance and also old tradition of no dance Mm. and um, old Japanese dance. So we did that in nature and it was really intense. Um, We went through different journeys that he um, brought us through and it was all about a safe space actually. So we have been a group together and um, try to really um, let the other person be who he is or mm-hmm. she is. And um, so in that state, everything was possible. Like every movement was possible. Mm-hmm. Right. There was not, nothing wrong anymore and uh, people really moved in a weird way and they got into trance and they had their processes and it's so different from what I learned because I uh, studied dance since I'm six years old and this was all about you know geometrics Mm -hmm. in the room and you know trying to be perfect to always Certain ideal.
0: Totally and, get that. And this is yeah. beautiful,
2: also. I love that. You, you know, know it's, it's really beautiful to be precise and to be um, to search for per- perfect,
1: perfect. Perfect search for perfection. Would yeah. you say
0: buto is almost like undoing that? It's almost the opposite, or?
2: Yeah, it is in a way, but it also has a lot of techniques, which is right? kind of funny. Yes. So you move through the body, you warm up as in an yeah. normal dance training, mm. and you really. Work with images more instead of, you know, you have to hold your shoulder this way or your hip this mm. way. But it's also in a way very technical.
1: But then you can let go. and um, Which and is will, often, sorry to interrupt you, with yeah. like a prerequisite for any kind of like controlled letting go has to always be in line with having some kind of technique or something to fall back on, Right. I I think there's always, it has to be these two...
0: Parameters. Parameters, yeah. From my impression, what I've seen of Butoh, it it appears like every part of your body is involved in the expression of an emotion. And it's so intense to watch because there's, I've seen so much agony and... Mm -hmm fear and rage and
3: uh-huh.
0: it, from it from an outsider's perspective it looks like it's an exploration of the darker material yes yeah, uh-huh. great
2: thing about that it isn't judged in a way so it's all the same what you feel and it's very important and you also get into touch with nature a lot so uh-huh. it's an, an animistic
0: anima yeah an
2: anima uh, kind of dance and when I see pictures of Atsushi, it's incredible. Like, he he's, he's doing a figure next to a fire or next to a tree or next to a water. And he looks like it. He becomes the mm. element. It's, and you can see it on the picture. Wow. I've never experienced something like this before. Wow. I have to show you the pictures. Mm. Please um, yeah. do. And I think it's also because he is doing this since 30, 40 years now. Yes. So it's, it's his life. He's mathemaphorizing into that, but yeah.
0: Do you feel quite inspired when you hear Yana talking about Butoh and what it involves? Does that yeah. inspire you as a director, as a creative?
1: Definitely, I was very yeah. surprised and yeah, like um, what intrigued. Could you, what by. could
0: you do with that? How would What direction would you take that in or how would you capture that essence of Butoh? Do you mm-hmm. make a film?
1: I'm interested, I've been researching the works of uh, Yukio Mishima, who is a Japanese Nobel laureate and won the Nobel Prize for his work Confessions of a Mask, which deals with closeted sexuality and dark sexual desires. And he was a very complex figure who sort of, on the one hand, came from a very bourgeois Tokyo family and... um, grew up and explored and was ashamed of these dark sexual impulses that he had I mean one must note that in Japan um, homosexuality was not frowned upon until in the Edo period a uh, Christian um Christian influx brought Bibles and everything there was certain roles like the the no theater teacher and his pupil or whatever where were queerness was able to have kind of a niche where it was functioning. And then through Christianity, that became more of a difficult thing. And interestingly enough, he had his first sexual experience while looking at a painting of San Sebastian. So it's, for the ones who don't know, it's this um, Roman, um, it's a Roman military man who was higher up in rank who, became a christian and was persecuted for that and then they he was shot dead with arrows and then there's uh, many people know this statue of this uh young man in a loincloth falling sort of, yeah, like this with the know,
0: arrows exactly with the arrow i've sticking seen it in a church actually yeah. i've seen that painted in a church
1: so. so it has this sort of um there's this sadomasochistic element there's obviously this very um beautiful body, male depiction of a body. And so he has that experience and he has absolutely no way, shape, or form of expressing it because it's obviously at that time very difficult to express or be open about. So he confesses through the, his mask. And I think it's still mm. quite something that is important or, or valuable today because there are countries still where homosexuality or queerness and at the moment that non-binary Um, identities are still not completely integrated into our society or what's going on in Hungary. So it's something that I feel has a certain value to explore. And Butoh might be a key to unlock these deeper layers of identity, of closeted identity. And there have been, we found out, uh, we've been researching a little bit, There there have been Butoh performances Um, in the 50s and 60s that used um, confessions of a mask as material. So this was quite interesting to see that there is something there. This has been worked on in the past by masters and people who are very proficient at what they do, which, of course, we encounter with great humility. And um, um, I think, yeah, I'm very interested to explore this with Jana because she brings things to the table that... um, are beyond my capabilities. And so I'm very, very interested in where this leads.
0: Cool, so am I. So keep us posted. Where would you like to put something like this on? What would be the ideal space to put together? <laughs> the conf- <laughs> And by the way, I love the contradiction of confessions of a mask, like truth of mm. through like putting on a mask and using the mask to tell the truth. There's like so much power in that contradiction. So what would be the ideal space for both of you? Because it might be different for each of you. What would be your ideal space to perform Bhutto? Well, I'm
2: already captured by this idea, um, which I find very nice, um, to do it in a very unusual setting and not not in a traditional theater or anything. Mm -hmm.
0: You mentioned Uh, nature.
2: No, I don't mean nature. I mean um, in a very rough space, like... uh, Industrial. Industrial space, yeah. Mm. I have also a feeling that you can bring something very fragile and soft in in that and attach people and move people if that shines through a little bit, through the very rough architecture, and um, you let something very Mm. fragile and human Mm. shine through that. Uh, this is a picture I have no in mind because I like contrast. Contrast yes. a lot. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm.
0: earlier we touched on Kundalini yeah. and how powerful it is, but how you'd like to approach it in a soft and gentle way. And I was like, that's quite a contradiction too. Powerful yoga in a soft way. So you like
2: contrast. It's true, yeah. I like yeah. different direct directions. Like, yes. if we are talking about yoga, you also have this. You have like, one di- and one you have the gravity that grounds you and once you have the gravity you can fly you know with the mm-hmm. upper body and you need you need um different kinds of directions or images to to get into some kind of tranquility mm-hmm. balance and uh, that's something that ballet taught me by the way so you yeah. have the different lines the different direction your body goes to in, into the space and so yeah and also like the um, concept of um, darkness and light i always feel like i'm thrown between those mm-hmm. both um, sides of life of darkness and i i find darkness beautiful but mm. then you know also, something inside me longs for, for, for light all the time. So, yeah, this
0: is the contradiction. And what would be your ideal space to put on your Confessions of a Mask?
1: <laughs> There's one space that I'm very, very close to, and it means a lot to me. It's in Kiev. And yeah. it's um, it's an industrial um, club slash cultural space that's um, that gives people in Kiev and a lot of people from Berlin have been traveling there and all over the world. It gives them the freedom to express different types of sexuality or queerness in a country that is maybe not so open to that necessarily. And um, the team is very close to my heart. The way they, uh, the decisions they made, the space has no name, for instance, it's just like a Unicode symbol. And, um, so that would be something that I would be very interested to talk to them about. We started talk to, talking to them a little bit. They've got a dance focus right now, where they're um, mm. uh, where they're exploring contemporary dance and uh, the meaning of dance in a club context, where it's maybe not often um, consciously maybe viewed as just something you do, but actually yeah. means so much and. Um, so that place would definitely be something that I'd be interested in putting it on and maybe finding other places in three or four different cities in the world instead of to do like a collaboration.
0: So what's coming to mind, listening to both of you, your reference to the combination of darkness and light and your um, idea of using club spaces. Uh, you are quite a well-known DJ at because that's that's what's coming to mind when you're describing like kind of industrial spaces. Bringing, I, I think of it as quite a dark place. Like you know, everyone's dressed in black, and it's like an all night kind of vibe. So when you were describing how you like light and dark, I was in I was picturing. Mm-hmm. And then as you describe the kind of club spaces, is this something you would take into that arena?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of folklore about it and <clears throat> there's so many things and people talk. It's like the Kaaba a little bit where like... Or uh,
0: Studio 54, but a dark Gothic version of it. <laughs> Actually,
2: yeah, I don't find it so dark. I, okay, maybe
0: it's like, the image like I have. A,
2: it reminds me of a temple somehow. And people also, you know... Um, They pilgrimage.
0: They pilgrimage for sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
2: for sure to to get in there. And
0: And then then they spend like all night, two days in there?
2: Some (laughs) of them. Extended
1: periods of time. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it used to be a heating plant and like an industrial, it's a very industrial space that actually had a function. So it provided heat and warmth for uh, families in the GDR back when the mall was still up. And. Years and years later, it was converted.
0: And is it like only on weekends or is it all day, like every day? I'm just thinking, are there days where it could be used as a theater? <laughs> That's basically it what was, i It was. Yeah. You know, like, uh, as a gallery
2: already.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And as is that the, the photographer that you were working with? Uh, is, that was the best? Yeah, he's been, he's
2: been affiliated or, with the yeah. place for a long time
1: and a uh, very important figure. And, and what's his uh, name? Sven Markwart.
0: Sven Macman because I remember you did a show. He's
1: a wonderful photographer together. who um, has his roots in East Berlin so was part of a culture that was kind of oppressed and had difficulty expressing itself and he works mainly in black and white with available light it was the only really sunlight, like high like, contrast
0: high contrast, really a lot shit. of
1: grain really organic like real mm. still I liked film, those photographs a lot yeah and we've been we've had a working relationship for about five or six years now, where we trust each other a lot. And this work focused on an actor that is very important to him and to me, for Benga, who was an, a Faspina actor first and oh, foremost, amazing. and a very extreme, very um, scary, almost very fearless and still sensitive actor. Ooh.
0: So it might be quite cool to get him doing Butoh and get him in the mask. <laughs> in the
1: <laughs> would have to be, um, you know, one of those death masks because he yes. sadly passed away last oh, no. year. Oh, yeah. I no. Mean, oh, the, yeah. The, 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 the opening we did, the exhibit, was also honoring him in a way. So it was okay. actually quite... Okay.
0: So let's talk a bit about that exhibition.
1: Sure, yeah. It's called Fleischmann. It's on in Galerie Deschler, Galerie Deschler in Mitte. And it opened on the 26th of August um, this year. And it's extended. It just got extended. So if you're in Berlin, it goes until the 15th of January.
0: Amazing. In
1: Mitte, in Auguststrasse.
0: And what is in that exhibition? What is it comprised of?
1: It's comprised of large-scale photographies and um, music that accompanies it. And it's an exploration of Volker Spengler's life. The topics and films, and actually also his own life that he basically lived through the lens of the camera and on the stage. And we use Christian and pagan mythology, which we kind of mix with it. So there's, it's sort of like a passion play, but in a very dark Berlin way
0: (laughs) yeah i mean is that kind of becoming a a trademark for you as a director let's go back to peaches who Mm. i love canadian (laughs) peaches um i'm thinking of dark passion play there was um you made a film with her right yes
1: i did yeah i was very very lucky that she signed on to be part of this film black mountain which was an adaptation of uh, the wagner opera parsifal and I approached her together with Lilia Ruprecht, who was my co-director on the film, to embody the part of Kundry, who's like a magical witch, uh, who, fl- who actually dresses in uh, animal fur. And she's, this, the Wagner story is that she was cursed because she dried up the tears of christ i think mm. he was crying on the cross and she i think she she takes like she took some kind of handkerchief and um dried his tears and became got like she got like superpowers through okay. the tears of christ and she can live forever and travel through time and she's a very very powerful very very powerful figure
0: you must have blown the minds of the <laughs> opera crowd with that film. Was it presented at the opera festival?
1: Yeah, it was presented at the Haus Wahnfried, where uh, Wagner used to write. Okay. It was his like, summer house. It was in Bayreuth, right next to the opera house. And
0: were they quite like shocked and surprised? Because that was not your average opera that you would go and see, right? I mean, that was like powerful, dark um, surrealism Like um, that must have blown their minds. The opera crowd that w- were presented with that film.
1: Yeah, it was a weird experience because Wagnerians, so like Wagnerians, people who love their Wagner, they're yeah. a very very intense crowd. Okay. They're like sort of I don't know, it's like sort of the, the soccer hooligan version. Of, <laughs> they're just very. Yeah. Don't
0: mess with my Wagner, <laughs> right? No, but they're probably yeah. like, like because I, I, that to me is so exciting to take something classical and bring it to the next level and so to reinterpret opera with like contemporary electroclash stars and a darker twist is um is that something that could ever get staged like as a an opera on stage
1: i'd be very open to that i mean peaches she's extremely yeah yeah and she's a very she's great on stage she's done
0: jesus christ superstar well i met her and she sang Judas, Judas. (laughs) And she actually, I have a little video of her singing Jesus Christ (laughs) Superstar for me. And I was like, I would not have expected Peaches to come out in Jesus Christ Superstar. She knows like all of it. I think she even performed the entire musical Jesus yeah. Christ Superstar yep at some point yeah, I think it was um, at
1: Heblam Ufa she yeah. did that a couple years ago I was like whoa <laughs> I met her the last time I, I met her was last September and I was very very uh, touched by the fact that she's been starting to build her own archive so uh, and I think Good. that's also something I should that, send her the Jesus Christ Superstar yeah show. you should send her the yeah. video she loved that
2: I
0: was quite a fan I was a bit like eh. yeah and so when I saw that you worked with her, I was very impressed with that. Would you like to work with her again?
1: Anytime. She's yeah. a very, she's one of the most fearless people I know. Mm. Um, the persona she's built around her and explored inside her knows no bounds and is beyond definition. And she's just a, she's just a very,
0: so
1: very, awesome. yeah, incredible artist.
0: Strong. Yeah. And I think that's fearless. also something I
1: learned from her. And that's maybe some advice uh, that can go out to artists is to always start sort of documenting and archiving what you do and, totally. and save it and um um
0: honor it honor it i feel and, like yeah. documenting your work is a way of honoring it like you value it and yeah, it starts to do that all the
2: time yeah. they have the notebooks and yeah. they just go back to what they you know once have written or even if that are just mm. several thoughts and uh, and yeah. that, that are tracks that guide you then
0: mm. Mm. and it also can then inform your work as you move along it's like having a diary you're like okay so i see a pattern mm-hmm. playing out and these are the things i want to keep building on and these are the things that don't serve me and yeah documenting that's good advice i think that's
1: a good intersection also for creativity and well-being right
0: yes i like what you were saying earlier as well about like how theater should be um, like not a division between the audience and the the spectacle, but rather like an experience for everybody. I mean, that to me is like the best kind of theater, the best performance, the best art. You're not just like passively taking it in, but somehow whether you're, as you described in your training, like really emotionally involved in what's happening or actually physically somehow it's all happening around you. Then you can so easily suspend disbelief and be transported somewhere mm. else. Yeah. So do you um, do you incorporate well being into your creative practice? Yana help you with that? <laughs> that was a question I had for you a while ago. I was like, so tell me about your well being, Nikki, because you know, for creatives, it's it's not generally a priority, but it's so important mm. to sustain creative energy and the the someone said to me once like where are you shooting the arrow from when you create and I was like oh that's so important like, yeah if you don't consider that you could be shooting it from your ego or so yeah how's how's uh, well-being becoming a part of your creative life
1: I think I discovered it like many many people it's become more to the fa- forefront during the pandemic because I think Capitalism is a pretty strong animal, and it sort of permeates all areas of human life.
0: We were talking about ritual earlier. I would say that ritual forms a part of, of wellness. Basically, do you have a personal both of you? I'd like to hear both of your answers to this. Do you have any rituals that help you, on a daily or weekly basis, sustain well-being in your lives, like mentally, physically, spiritually? You were talking about a drum.
2: Yeah, the drum, but uh, this I have to incorporate um, now because I just built a shamanistic drum which was a very nice process to uh, get the leather in a, in a wet uh, state and work for hours with this leather and somehow I really could feel, sounds a bit weird, but I really could feel the animal and I really got a connection to mm-hmm. the animal and also beforehand we thank the animal, and we thank the tree that uh, this is given to us and we can build something, transform it into music and into rhythm. So basically the tree and the and the animal is transformed into rhythm and music and mm. stays alive in kind of yes. way. Because, you know, I I play the drum and then uh, aliveness is still, you know, evolving. And, um, but for the rituals, of course, for me, it's yoga since such a long time it helped me um, with my dance training a lot and for me first yoga was very physical but now it's getting more and more also into states of meditation and I can really see the value of just sitting you know you all the asanas you did to sit for a long time to meditate without having some pain in the hips or anything so and yeah of course now it's becoming for me um more and more important to have this overall senses um, ceremonies also with fragrances with incense and with music and rhythm and um i try to to um draw that draw that into my everyday life mm-hmm. yeah. so i'm almost doing yoga every day mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that's pretty lucky that you've got that right there. So do you, have you been getting into yoga? Have you been meditating? I think you mentioned meditation was becoming part of your your wellness.
1: I did a long meditation program on a daily basis um, together with the Underground Museum in Los Angeles. And that was led by um, Om Girl Ali.
2: Okay. Shout out to
1: Own Girl Ali at this point. Okay. Her Instagram handle is Own Girl Ali as well. Okay, Alison Simon is a wonderful meditation teacher. Who, yeah, breath techniques, uh, pranayama. Kirtan also, I
2: guess. Kirtan, you did also the singing. Yeah, I
1: was. Yeah, I was chanting. I did some chanting with yeah. Eddie Stern. That was also very, very. That really freed up a lot of things and at the beginning it can be kind of strange or it sort of takes a little bit of, you have to sort of overcome a couple inner boundaries to do it. But I was very, very open to it. I love creating, just making sounds with my mouth and with my vocal cords. And I was zero afraid or had little hesitation. And Mm. I thought it was, I thought it was incredible the way it sort of really, you you get like inner you see things and you those chants are so archaic and so knowledgeable and
2: it's also sad that when you sing you can't be afraid or feel any anxiety it's just -hmm. Ah,
0: like it cuts through fear fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes and there's that's why
2: uh, actually it's it's just uh, something um Different, but in, in Belarus there was this revolution going on last year and they had a lot of choirs and people mm-hmm. sa- singing all the time to conquer their fear. So music played a big role in that, but... Well, because it Just moves
0: energy to. around yeah, your body yeah, like yeah. and yeah. where so many people and are blocked creates, in the it throat, throat it chakra it creates
2: hope and it creates community and mm-hmm. connection also because you're penetrating the world's kind mm. of with your voice so mm-hmm. you're yeah. in connection in a way and mm. not hiding not you know um being um lonely but you're really connecting through your wo- voice mm-hmm. with the space and and yeah
0: and you're setting things into vibration right so yes nice mm-hmm. yeah on a cellular level yes, the sound yeah. vibration travels all the way down to the cells and um there's there's more and more research going into the the healing power of sound actually shout out to Tallulah Randall went to a gig <laughs> a few days ago and she was encouraging everyone at the gig to start just making noise toning and you know, there were some kind of, like, you know, clashing sounds of voices. But with your eyes closed and a room full of people just making, like, rrr, rrr, like whatever sounds were coming yeah. out. It was, like, this amazing orchestra, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. of out-of-this-world sci-fi instruments. I mean, I, it, was, it was quite a powerful kind of, and then when I opened my eyes and I was like, oh, my gosh. Just looking at this room of people making sounds, I, it was otherworldly. And, yeah, to overcome the self-consciousness of... What do I sound like? Because you can't control that as well as you can the way you express yourself. So, um, yeah, there's some healing power in the sound.
1: There's been like I read the other day that Bob Ross, you know, the painter, there's mm-hmm. they he's been in like scientific studies where they say he's the godfather of ASMR.
0: Oh yeah, yeah I've just been seeing my so ASMR happy, videos yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> happy little accents. Yes. Just a happy little, happy little You've clown. got a good ASMR voice, <laughs> actually, Nikki. Um I mean, yeah, voc- voice and vocalizing is is a big part of what you do um, as well. Um and sorry, yeah. but actually,
2: mm. you haven't been into to yoga as a physical practice.
1: No, I've. I've, oh, yeah. I've, been, I've You've got a guide. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> take I've your hand. I've and, dabbled in it, but I yeah. have, I'm, I'm totally beginner. Very, we did yoga yeah. together did with yoga Adam together.
0: in, in Berlin. Yoga, we went yeah. to his yeah. class. Yeah, um, but it's like it, uh, the more you practice it, the the more rewards you discover through it. Like it's such a. I began it like you with an asana practice, just the physicality. And then I realized well, this is such a journey into self-awareness um, physically, mm. emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, so it at pays some off.
2: point it changes people. I mean, mm. it might take a few years for some yes. people, but it has a very transformative power. And,
0: and they say that like, you know, strong people who come to yoga, like become more flexible in mm. body and mind and flexible people who come to yoga become stronger in body and mind and I, I like that it's like a very basic one of the many ways in which we can change but um yeah it sounds like you may be about to embark on a yogic journey as well
1: I had a, like uh, we had a yoga teacher or one of the actresses who was also a dancer on a production editor a couple years ago we st- we would start with with yoga oh that's yeah? lovely yes and we would start, we'd do that before rehearsals and it was good because it I opened everybody up
2: that's so awesome I did that once at Schaubühne with Mm. the production I taught them the actors um, yoga every morning because um, they had such a physical piece to do and they needed to get into their body so I combined it with, with voicing and pranayama too but yeah. they loved it. They just loved it because yeah. you really get centered, grounded yeah. and, and uh, you get energy out of it. Totally. And so for me, it would be a great vision that every like theater production, even every orchestra yeah. or music production yes. would start with a yoga session. And some people already do it, like a yeah. very innovative orchestra. I know it's called Stegreif Orchestra, mm-hmm. a very wild, but a professional, classical in, um, musicians. Mm-hmm. And they start uh, their rehearsals with yoga a lot. And because they have no um, dirigent. Conductor. No conductor. Oh, gosh, that's interesting. They really have to listen to each other a mm-hmm. lot, uh, to their bodies, to how they move in the space. And yeah. to get an awareness for that as a group, as a orchestra, yoga helps a lot.
0: Yes, so. yes, because it, like, um, develops Um, an understanding of the energy body that's where I got really excited about yoga when I was like okay so we have this physical body and there's like a whole body Mm -hmm. of energy that surrounds us and that's kind of the next level you're working on the physical body then you start to realize and that's the energetic blocks the intuition the the sort of sixth sense of understanding. Um, So, yeah, I I think it sounds like this next production is going to begin with yoga (laughs) sessions. Yeah. Yeah, and
2: I just have that anyway. Yeah. Maybe it's... um called differently or it's yeah. a different concept but they have the sense and this openness and the sensitivity for yes. this. so yeah for me this is really related to each other mm. in
1: and- yeah to yeah. project yes. outwardly what you've experienced inwardly right that's mm.
2: yeah is
0: that what you like as a director is that what you want to bring forth in the people that you're working with
1: absolutely I think that's it's vital yeah because yeah. you want to communicate to others and think it's not enough if somebody's like wow that felt really incredible I was yeah. really going through some crazy stuff that I experienced and then no one in the audience can yeah. saw it or felt it and it has to be there has to be like a communication outward projection 100% yeah
0: I feel like what we were talking about earlier about creating a safe space like that is such an important part yeah. of a director's job is creating a space that's safe for Mm. all expression to come forth and... I know, having been, which is a
2: very modern view, right? Because theater yeah. not always has, been like yes,
0: this. Like no, much directors more. Directors
2: like, could be really
0: mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Like
1: misogynist, draconian <laughs> kind of yes. dictators, and yeah, that we're not so interested in that anymore. That's
0: yeah. although although some performers love that. They're like, I am. You tell me how to do it, and I will do it. I will deliver. And I, would you say yourselves more like bring forth the? as you say, with <laughs> internal to the external? I,
2: I would be interested if you I would say that uh, this same uh, amount of quality can come out of both. Like if you, you bring somebody mm. um, with pain to an edge and crack open and show something or um, if it can also be in this different way.
0: Um, can you nurture someone to the point where they can open raw emotion
1: i think you can open up someone without being aggressive or uh, harmful
0: perhaps it comes back to consent
1: yeah right like
0: i'm willing to go there with you then you can do that in any way i
1: think there should be like a reinterpretation of uh, what draconian is right that's why we're here yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, you're right. right like you don't have to do things Yeah, there are new ways to do things, such as putting on theater in nightclubs, such as nurturing the core emotions, um, yes, rather than doing things in the draconian way. (laughs) So is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you want to share before we wrap up today's episode and send you to the seaside?
1: (laughs) I just want to say I'm really thankful and happy to see you again, John. Me too. Yeah, yeah, me too. Absolutely. I think everybody can relate to what it feels like to see someone again after, you know, be it a relative or a close friend yeah. or an acquaintance, and you know, there's um, being so far apart, and that's just a very beautiful thing. And uh, it's yeah. those simple things and that are actually not so simple. So I'm very thankful today. Me
0: too. And I'm really happy that you brought Yana as well to share the wellness inspiration. (laughs) Yana, you strike me as quite a muse for Nikki. I think you can talk about that more (laughs) when I'm not around, but I see a lot of inspiration flowing that way. Um, So the theme of this series is Emerge and Evolve. Before we go, tell me what um, you're looking forward to as we now emerge into a new normal whatever that means for you
2: Mm, um i mean i'm um creativity and um spirituality is something that never stops it's an ongoing process and it's a journey that you can um, follow without fear and i'm really looking forward to um yeah just have no expectation into the future but being open to everything Uh you know and um, i think one hand you really have to follow things and you really want things and then at the same time it's good to let them go at the same time and being in this dance you know and then life can be very unpredictable and um provide Surprises and very good experiences and you grow then all the time and yeah for me future means um, there are always new things to learn and um, life is, is, is ever changing and and transform and I really am looking forward to be transformed and to transform the world in which way ever but um, that's something which I find very beautiful to think of
1: <laughs> for me i was just like what came to mind we went to a service at the saint paul's cathedral in london and um there was this beautiful anglican mass and in the sermon um there was this thought that the word comfort right so that home is a place of comfort but it's also like in the latin etymological sense uh, come forte so come strength so like finding strength um in one's surroundings and at the same time accepting challenges but that's something that i think touched both of us and i find very intriguing and something to look forward to also with all these possibilities that have come back to us you know like embrace them wholeheartedly but still maybe try to live a more sustainable life Um, that still has those um, thrills and and passions that um, life always had to offer.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So as we wrap up, I think we're going to... There was a song request (laughs) by... Who is it? Who are we (laughs) playing for this show?
1: Um, Yeah, let's um, listen to a beautiful song by... Um, your cousin, my youngest brother, Liam Mockridge's song is called Familiar.
0: Awesome. He's really taking off with these beautiful music videos and, and fusion funk. Would you call
1: it funk? Yeah, he's definitely bringing a, a lot of Motown vibes. RB, funk, punk, R&B. jazz. It's, it's very now. He's very talented. Album's called Goody Bag, streaming on Spotify and all the platforms. And check it out.
0: Liam Mockridge, familiar, and it's been beautiful to have you both on the show. Thank you, Jana. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Yana.
3: I'm feeling so familiar. I overslept again. One more wouldn't kill you, he thought. Well, at least I made some friends. Taking my time